You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy 5-Hour Energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you instantly won $10, $100, or even $1,000. Then you drink that 5-Hour Energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. 5-Hour Energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com slash rules. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Welcome into DC On Screen, your guide to the DC Universe on film and television. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hi there. This is episode 271. It is your weekly DC TV news episode. We are going to get super spoilery. If it's been released, it is fair game to discuss. And I'm going to open this up with really sad news. Like, I saw this news and I, like, kind of hyperventilated. A tear rolled. Uh, Ron Glass... Uh, has passed away he uh played shepherd daryl book on firefly and serenity the movie serenity uh he died from respiratory failure on november 25th he was 71 um he was ron harris on barney miller he was on the new odd couple he was on he's been on agents of shield star trek voyager he was the devil in the 85 version of the twilight zone (laughs) he's done a ton of stuff and I know you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with DC? Well, he was an anchor man on Superman the Animated Series, so I found a reason to mention him, because <laughs> the man is close to my heart. You're, you're reaching um, for that one, I admit. but um, I reached, but... It was worth it. For him, it was worth it. This is, this is my only platform at the moment. Um, <laughs> Dirt Express. But, one more, fuck yeah, you, 2016. Absolutely. Stop taking people. But this is a dude that, like, he devoted a bunch of personal time to the Wooten Center, which is a Los Angeles nonprofit that provides mentoring and college preparation to students uh, in grades uh, 3 through 12. He started doing that in 92 after the Rodney King riots. Uh, He wanted to do something positive in the community. Hmm. I mean, look at this crap, man. He was was Shepard Book. Made it so easy when he applied later. God, he did a good job. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh... Anything less uh, sad? Uh, sad. Nah, we're just going to move on. Okay. <laughs> Cameron Monaghan. Uh, that's in Go- that's a good Gotham. start. Uh, I know, right? Just jump right into into Joker territory. Mm-hmm. Cameron Monaghan released a picture of, uh, it, well, his skin looks white and messed up, and he's got a ghastly son of a bitch and grin, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. So that happened. Fox has closed a deal with James Remar, uh, who was on Dexter, to play Frank Gordon, uh, Jim's uncle. He's described as a master at playing both sides and a man who knows how to keep a secret. Frank abandoned the family after Jim's fate, Jim's father's fatal car, <laughs> car car, what a, why can't I speak? Frank abandoned the family after Jim's fatal 
Jim's father's fatal car crash, and now, 25 years later, he's returned to reconnect with his estranged nephew, but Frank harbors a dark secret, one that will upset the very foundations of Jim's world and force him into a terrible choice between saving his family and saving his city. (laughs) You made it. I like that actor. I made it. Mm Mm-hmm. I've heard that. A lot of people are saying that. I don't know him from Adam. I I know him from... uh... I know him from Dexter, and he was he was pretty great. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. Now, uh, we surprisingly have some Lucifer news. We don't really have much Lucifer news. No. Um, but they're saying, like, episode 14 is going to be about Lucifer getting married yeah. to a stripper. Did you see the title? That's been <laughs> Candy Morningstar. Candy Star. Morningstar. <laughs> and then people were like, I wonder if it's going to be a stripper. It's Her name's Candy. Yeah. And she's going to marry the guy that owns a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Just... Just a big chance there. The uh, the overwhelming conjecture is, huh, I bet this is so he can like deal with his feelings for Chloe. Well, no kidding, buddy. <laughs> Seems like an overwhelmingly <laughs> good conjecture. <laughs> Moving on to the crossover, the DC TV crossover that started tonight uh, <laughs> with Supergirl. They've released an extended trailer. Um, it looks badass. I really don't know what to say about it other than I'm super excited about it. Like There are spaceships and they look good they actually look good yeah they, they there did. are aliens that so far look really good i'm just down i'm all in yeah um especially watching like supergirl do the thing to the warehouse floor and then felicity got all excited oh. i've been excited but now i'm stoked mm-hmm. like now i'm sitting there thinking oh my god why do we have to record this thing right now i could be watching supergirl yeah it's it's a little bit of that like i'm <laughs> i'm watching the trailer and i'm going you know it's I don't believe that all of these reactions from people are either gone to be on the episode or are as or are actually reactions to what we just saw. It's the old trailer trick, um, which I, I think is the worst I ever saw. It was uh, I saw in uh, a commercial for uh, a local cop show where it's like showing the cops like just behind their cop car shooting, and then it cuts to like an oil tanker just exploding. <laughs> And I was like, "That's that That's, can't be no, ha- what happened. No, that can't be what happened." <laughs> That's a big old no. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I yeah, I get the feeling that some a little bit of that is happening, but I am excited as hell to see all of this. <sighs> um. Speaking of the uh, invasion crossover, you have the chance to win an ultra rare invasion shirt. Apparently, CW, uh, in conjunction with comicbook.com, has produced an extremely limited number of Heroes vs. Aliens t-shirts. It's got the uh, the stars of Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow standing above what appears to be the Hall of Justice. They put that Hall of Justice, which apparently, they're saying, is an a previously unseen Star Labs building. But the Hall of Justice that was in the big four-part poster series that came out last week... Um, yeah, it's like them standing behind that, and it looks pretty awesome. There are only five. They're only giving away five of these t-shirts, by the way. Nice. Jesus. So, yeah. I mean, I'll put a link. I'll put a link in the show notes on dconscreen.com. If you don't get one, if you, you get one, don't wear it. Yeah, put that shit behind glass. Oh, yeah. And also, comicbook.com says that they're actually like going to give you two shirts if you win. Like you're going to get you're going to get one of the the uh invasion shirts. And they'll give you a comicbook.com shirt just in case you want to put the Invasion shirt behind glass. So... That'd be cool. 
That was kind of fun. If you can see the comicbook.com uh... shirt behind all the pop-up ads. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we went there, comicbook.com. Sorry, dude. What up? You guys are awesome, but you totally you suck. You do a lot of ads, man. Um, but yeah, uh... <laughs> The end date is December 2nd, 2016 for that contest. There are only going to be five winners. Go, enter, have fun, filling out your name. I don't know. It's not really that fun, but uh, whatever. They uh, released something kind of cool. A Legends of Tomorrow invasion found footage. It was like 35 seconds or so. But it looks like um, there are just some like official government seals. It looks like it's old footage from like the 50s or something. Right. And then it cuts to like you know the aliens fighting soldiers, and you can see a ship floating above the earth, and, and the aliens coming toward the guy with the camera, and then it cuts out. Not really much to to speak of, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. Something that better be on the Blu-ray, damn it. <laughs> I was amused though. I was highly amused. <laughs> Andrew Kreisberg. Uh, has been talking a whole bunch. They they did a big press screening for Supergirl, uh, for the uh for the episode that aired tonight, and he says that this is not the last time you see the last you see of the Dominators. The Dominators will return on Supergirl later this season. He's not saying if these are the Earth One Dominators or if these are just like Supergirl's Dominators in of that universe. And she'll be like, oh yeah, I've dealt with them over on Earth One with Barry. He's not saying, but uh, apparently we will see some Dominators later on in the Supergirl Season 2. Mm-hmm. He does, however, say that in the Invasion crossover won't have a huge impact on Supergirl. He says it doesn't really have that big an impact. She's the one who brought the light. It was really Barry and Oliver who had to go on the journey, and she brought the charm and the fun and the kick-assedness. Or the kick-assedness. <laughs> um, he also explains that... Uh, why Supergirl's episode wasn't really part of Invasion. He says all the other episodes, Flash, Arrow, and Legends, all have subsequent episode to the crossovers, but with Supergirl, it was the mid-season finale, so we wanted to make sure that episode 8 of Supergirl spoke to what had been happening in the first seven episodes of the season. And then, just logistically speaking, last year we did two shows with a sprinkling of Legends. This year we went to three shows. The idea of going to four full shows, I'm not sure if we could have pulled off uh, logistically speaking. Yeah, it was difficult. Plus, he also, uh, you just got this show on your network. And, like Part of what they did last year was kind of force everyone to get into the other show and do a little backup. And I've I've had mm-hmm. friends who have done that. So help me God, they got to the crossover. Everyone, Who's that? And went back and watched Olivero. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just a lot to do to somebody right now. Mm-hmm. Like, let everyone get renewed, come back the next season, and then we do the full-on four-episode crossover. Yeah. He also uh, pointed out that Kara was not in last week's episode too much. She was captured by Cadmus. Other characters were kind of front and center because they were freeing up the like five days on the show for Benoist to be able to be on the other shows. Oh, well, well done. They, yep. they, they did a great job. I didn't even really notice she was gone that long. Yeah. Moving over to The Flash. Kreisberg uh, is talking about that, and this is exciting. He says, there's a villain coming up who's another one of the Husk villains that was created by Alchemy. So there's that to deal with. But the mid-season finale of The Flash kind of creates a new problem for our heroes that they that they weren't anticipating. Something that they've never faced before. And it's so big, we're actually consider cha- considering changing the saga cell from talking about Flashpoint to talking about that. Because that's what's driving a lot of the episodes, actually. Flashpoint won't loom as large as the threat that presents itself in 309. Cool. Right? For a lot of reasons. One, I mean, you're going to be pretty far into the season now. You might as well 
kind of move on from this Flashpoint thing. A lot of people moved on in two episodes. Like, some of these characters were already back. Iris and Joe were mm-hmm. good. We can't do this whole season, right? I don't know, man. Just crap like that makes me so excited for The Flash. That's, I just, that's about <laughs> damn right, yeah. Like Stuff like that is, like, the reason The Flash is my favorite show of any of these <laughs> things. And maybe my favorite show. Just in general, yeah. Yeah, aside from, like, Rick and Morty, you know? It's a whole different thing <laughs> that we can all admit is great, right? A whole different thing. I, I mean, I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> if you don't like Rick and Morty, I don't know. Tell us why <laughs> on Twitter. Please explain. I have to know why. Um, <laughs> so Robbie Amell has been talking about, uh, well, <laughs> he was asked if he was coming back, if there was any way that he could maybe return on the flash. He says, well, the nice thing is when you're dead in that universe, there's always another earth. Yeah. But I think that version earth one version of Ronnie is dead because he sacrificed himself to save the city. But you know, there's always earth three, earth four, earth five. Uh, and then he was asked if he would, uh. He was talking about how he was open to joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and he says, no. He says, I have no loyalties. <laughs> <laughs> he says, DC has killed me a couple of times, and I'll always gladly go back. But at the same time, I'm a huge fan of Marvel Marvel movies. I like what they're doing. It has less to do with it being Marvel or DC and more just me being, or sorry, more just being a character that I'm interested in and speaks to me. So it looks like he's he's looking to jump ship if he can. I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> He's got a good point. They keep anyway. killing me. Eh, why would I keep hanging on to this relationship with them? Maybe Marmol will keep it me alive for a few episodes. It'd be funny if he started like working on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they just kept killing mm-hmm. him, too. <laughs> he just shows up. And then they can have him, like, he goes between week by week, like... <laughs> like one one week he's on Agents of Shield in like a flashback, and then he's on Flash as a in a flashback. I don't know. I'm I'm done. Uh, just just, just take him over to Agents and pretty much make him Kenny. <laughs> oh my God, they killed Robbie. Uh-huh. So um, we talked a little about this a little bit on the uh, Supergirl episode last this last week. Um, Kevin Smith was talking about the cold kiss moment from his episode Killer Frost. He says, if you like the cold kiss moment, cold kiss moment in episode seven, storyboard artist Jeremy Simser was the guy who suggested, what if we homage that mistletoe moment from Batman Returns? Any action sequence I've done on either the Flash or Supergirl has started on Jeremy's empty storyboard frames. That man's a genius. He also, he was actually talking about this because he put up a picture that they made uh jeremy simser and uh cw gave kevin smith a jersey with one of uh jeremy's storyboard pieces on it with the flash running forward it says uh something like flash turns to face his enemy Mm -hmm. it's pretty badass honestly um but then uh, Smith was saying on Entertainment Tonight, uh, they've done the cold kiss a zillion times in the comics with Killer Frost, and it's one of the first times I think it's been done on screen. I was so happy that it was in my episode. For one brief moment, not only were we making an old issue of Flash, but we had this real Batman Returns kind of positioning where she's kind of straddling on top of him like Catwoman when we were, when, like Catwoman was when she was kissing Batman on the roof with the mistletoe. So we're homaging shit left and right while doing one of the most classic Killer Frost moves in the comics, the cold kiss. That's cool, man. I didn't care for it, but, you know, more power to you. I was exactly the kind of guy who went, (laughs) oh, cool, they did it. No other thoughts applied. (laughs) I know. I was just like, oh, man, we're bringing back that old chestnut. I was really like, oh, that old chestnut. Neat. <laughs> Over to Arrow. Uh, Stephen Amell was talking to TV Line 
about the 100th episode. He says, It is such a radical departure from anything we have ever done on the show. We utilize the fantastical elements that we bring in on The Flash and carry through to Legends of Tomorrow with the present-day storyline to create something that is not a flashback or a flash-forward. It is something else entirely. He says that the episode's loose timeline gives him or gives them license to do whatever we want and show some things that we'll never be able to show to have some characters interact that we'll never be able to interact on the show again. This is there is a very therapeutic moment for my character towards the end of the show where I get to say goodbye to people that I never got the chance to say goodbye to. I'm already kind of wanting to cry. Mm-hmm. Bring that right he on. He also talked a little bit. Yeah. He also talked about the mid-season finale. He says, when I read 509, and this hasn't happened in a while. In a while. In a while. God, we've we've established that you can't talk this evening. It's okay. I can't talk the last few weeks. It's like I've had a stroke or something. Um, Flub it up, Deb. I'm a, actually, I'm getting a little worried. <laughs> worried. I'll take you in soon if any other signs develop. Stephen Amell talking about the Arrow mid-season finale says, When I read 509, and this hadn't happened in a while, I literally went <gasps> reading something that happened in Act 5, I believe. It really took me by surprise. All right. Now, that episode that episode is called What We Leave Behind. The official summary is, After Prometheus attacks Curtis, Oliver realizes Prometheus knows all of Team Arrow's secret identities and is planning to come for them one by one. Felicity and Detective Malone discover a clue that links Prometheus to Oliver's past. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amel was at the Heroes and Villains Fan Fest and was talking about what his biggest regret is. Um, an overzealous fan yelled out Felicity. And Stephen Amel says, it probably is not Felicity. Because he's had literal family members murdered in front of him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just, Yeah. <laughs> He went on to say, I think his biggest regret is probably not being able to save his mom. For sure, that's tough. We actually viewed that episode in Walla Walla. We did a random viewing party and we set it up. It'll be really fun. There's like 200 people there. And the episode ends and everyone stared at me like I had just tricked them into something. Oh, God. <laughs> um, he went on to disappoint Elicity fans. <laughs> they were asking him... Um, if it was fair and genuine of the showrunners to expect Elicity fans to be content with Oliver and Felicity dating other people. Hey, he said, sure, because it's a TV show. And here's the thing. I love fandom, and I love passionate fans, and I think Arrow has awesome, passionate fans. But here's the bottom line. You don't always get what you want. Sitting here, feeling unhappy about the state of their relationship, they're still functioning as a team. They're still serving a greater good. She could be dead. I mean, couldn't she? She could be dead. Oliver could be dead. The show could be off the air. There's a bunch of things. Arrow is so many things. And if you let it become just about one thing, you miss the bigger picture. Does that make sense? So I would say that Oliver and Felicity's relationship, as it pertains to saving the city, has always been more important than their relationship as it pertains to are they, aren't they, are they canoodling, are they not? Canoodling. So for me... Yeah. So for me, them functioning as a team right now and being honest with one another is super important. And whatever happens with romance is whatever happens. I like it. That almost sounds like a rant coming from him. <laughs> well, all of these people are inundated on Twitter with uh, Biolicity fans who are like just never ending. Anything they put up, they're like, oh, they're getting back together. And like, what are you talking about? Nothing. Indicated. This is a picture of my, this is a picture of my toenail. Yeah. I don't understand. But she has a similar toenail. Yes, she has a, that toe. 
It really, I, I think we could like paraphrase his entire speech into Jesus, people, it ain't that bad. <laughs> hmm. Poor thing. So Echo Kellum is talking a bit about uh, how he's got to be smack dab in the center of things, as they say. Come the crossover episodes. Good. And he's apparently feeling pretty relaxed. He says, for sure, compared to episode eight and nine, definitely. Um, it's so much fun in these episodes to get into the meat of what's going on. With the crossover, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot going on, and then our mid-season finale is pretty epic. Things are a lot more tame now, or as tame as they can be on Arrow. That's fair. Um, he also talked. Yeah, they they had recently put out that the mid-season finale is also going to be dealing with Curtis being put in personal danger because Prometheus knows who. Who uh, who's working with Green Arrow, obviously. Right. And uh, he says, I think it's going to be... They're ta- asking about what it means for him and his husband. And he says, I think they're... I definitely think it's going to be something that's unavoidable for Curtis and his husband to deal with at the point where Prometheus actually does that. You're going to see where they are, what they decide to do from there, and where Curtis decides to go from there in terms of if he can be a, a functional member of the team and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of emotional stuff to deal with but what's happening is a really interesting journey for curtis and i think when people see the final outcome of the decisions that are going to be made and the path that we're on toward our season finale they're really going to dig it cool i've been wondering about the the husband not knowing thing and i had been kind of glad we hadn't addressed mm-hmm. it in a way because i'd almost rather not address it than have that conversation again mm-hmm. he also uh talked about how impressed he was with everyone else and how with how the cast found out that artemis was secretly an agent of prometheus and he talks about how it puts a different perspective on all the scenes where she and curtis are training together and she's beating him easily mm-hmm. um how it, it was originally played for humor and now it's a lot more menacing when you look back at it right uh, knowing that she's always that she's been working with him ah just thought that was it cool. is. well now it's a cat playing with his toy <laughs> yeah uh, so Kevin Smith wants to direct everything. Of course he does, because he loves us. He says I can. He says I can fit a lot. All four CW shows and about eight networks under under my belt. The belt that I wear around <laughs> this prestigious gut. <laughs> <laughs> he says, however, I love. I'm just glad I got to do anything. So I've done two Flashes and a Supergirl. Hopefully, I get to come back and do another Supergirl. I would love to go over to Legends, of course, man. And as I said last season, I'd love to go to Arrow, particularly if they let me write an episode where I could bring back my character or co-write whatever with my character Onapanapia, yeah. the guy who makes noises, Mr. Shushi in the comics. That would be fantastic. So I've let that be known many times. I'd love to do Arrow and crickets. So, you know, I'll, <laughs> I, I don't care. Anybody that's just like, come play. I like to come play. And these are shows that I actually adore. I love Flash and Supergirl, so it's very, uh, so it's great to go play in that world. I'm a big Legends fan as well, so it would be easy to dive into that world. But the Arrow thing, you know, it's personal. Uh, connects because I wrote the comic years ago. So hopefully one day, man. Hopefully one day, man. Yeah. God, I can't. I can't even gauge inflection. What's wrong with me? <laughs> um. He also says, maybe Gotham too, but that's not Berlantiverse. Riverdale, son, that's the next one, man. I've seen it in little pieces and whatnot. Riverdale, it's archy as if it took place in like Twin Peaks. Sick, I can't <laughs> wait. I want to direct that. That's a high school show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never actually been interested in so, the Riverdale uh, thing until just now. Right? <laughs> I haven't even looked at any trailers for it. Not I'm a actually... thing. It's just not, I know it exists, uh, but it hasn't. I haven't had time to look into it, and I know I wasn't going to have time to watch I, it, so 
basically I was like, eh, Riverdale's probably something I'll try to catch up on in the summer or something. So I wasn't like all about looking at trailers at this point, but I'll definitely check it out and see with what they're Archie doing with Archie and in the Twin game. Peaks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that actually sounds pretty yeah. dope. <laughs> I didn't know that's the way they were going no, with it. I didn't know either. <laughs> we missed that boat. So are we talking about Archie the Vampire Slayer right, right here? Is that what we're, where we're veering Yeah, the from? closest you got is like that, okay that, that last script that Daniel Cerrone uh, released for Constantine. That's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I forget who it was, but yeah, somebody wisely kinda. pointed out to us that, yeah, they pretty much did. <laughs> they did a retake. Yeah, I don't remember who it was. Some wonderful If you're still out there, uh, know that you're smarter from. than us. She is, mate. Yep. Anyway, on to Legends of Tomorrow. Arthur Darville has been talking about why Rip isn't on Legends of Tomorrow when he, at this point. He said um, it's basically because he was reprising his role of Reverend Paul Coates on the third and final series of Broadchurch, which is a dope show, yeah, guys. I mean, if you haven't seen Broadchurch, go check out Broadchurch, but I still have to catch up. Um, he says they were very kind on Legends. Broadchurch is something that's been going on for a while, so they had to work around that. I was so pleased to finish off that journey on Broadchurch. Um, on the potential comeback, he said, yeah, I do come back in some way to Legends of Tomorrow, but I can't talk about that. I always work on shows that you're not allowed to bloody talk about. <laughs> Truth. Uh, now Maisie Richardson Sellers, Vixen, uh, was talking to Cinema Blend and talked a little bit about Hunter coming back. She says he does come back, just not necessarily the rip that we remember. Remember? Remember? <laughs> nope. I uh, just, just messing it up. Okay. That's that's sort of what it. That's sort of what is a big part of the second half of the season. Um, and they did point out that the episode eleven is going to be called Turncoat. So. Uh, so there's that to deal with. Yeah. Uh, um, in, in reference to the Justice Society of America, there might be a member who's coming back. She said there is someone coming back. That's all I can say, that there is someone coming back. You will see in the next episode we're shooting this 12. This is fun. Mark Guggenheim was talking to Nerdist and told them who should get a spinoff from the Arrowverse. He says, it's funny, I was actually talking with Dominic Purcell last night about Rory getting his own show. Nick Rory. <laughs> The more we talked about it, the more I started thinking about it. It would be so crazy, and I'm always drawn to the crazy. Yeah, I could deal with that. I think I said before that I would really appreciate it if Legends would just kind of focus entirely on him at all times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. See, I was thinking... Yeah. Because he was, you know, I would think that... And I haven't... I thought about it initially, and then I forgot about it. Because, you know, why fight? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was tired, and... Nah. <laughs> Sometimes sleep. But yeah, wins. It, it would. It kind of makes more sense that instead of Sarah being the leader on Legends, Mick should be. I mean, if he just. I mean, it's not in his character to want to be. Right. That's the big but thing. Ha him. Yeah. Him having been, you know, brainwashed by the uh, the Time Masters and everything, and for so long, basically lived for thousands of years. Yeah. Maybe mentally. But Guggenheim went on to talk about Mick and said, I always love the dynamic between Snart and Rory. Of course. One of the things that we're really trying for in Legends Season 2 is there's really is there something really fun about seeing Rory have to develop his own identity apart from his partner. That's opened up a lot of story opportunity for us that we wouldn't have ha otherwise had. It's exciting to think about. We're exploring that much more now. It's pretty fun. I'm down for a Mick-Rory spinoff. Yep. You guys cancel Legends? Give me Heat Wave. Yep. If you don't cancel Legends, give me Heat Wave. Just rename the show Heat Wave Legend. <laughs> Heat Wave <Yes>. and Friends. <laughs> um, Heat in the so, Waves. 
Cartoon Network announced that Justice League action is going to be coming out December 16th with the four-part Shazam Slam at 6 p.m. Eastern Pacific. Uh, they have some clips out of the of the episode that also involves Superman and Wonder Woman taking on Parasite. By the way, in Shazam Slam, uh, Black Adam is going to be battling Batman on the Rock of Eternity. He's going to unleash a horde of Dijin that is apparently determined to turn the Earth back to its pre-human volcanic state. Batman is going to be morphed into a primordial monster, like a flying bat monster, that's going to lay waste to the Hall of Justice. That's with only Superman, with only Superman capable of taking the fight to the Dark Knight, they say. And uh, one by one, the Justice League, with the help of Shazam, voiced by Sean Astin, hmm. and the Wizard, voiced by Carl Reiner, must hunt down and defeat each Dijin in order to get, uh, in order to uh, save the world from destruction. That's already a phenomenal voice cast. Yeah, this is going to be a fun little show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm going to probably watch it on, on in one big binge, like at the end of its run. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to enjoy myself a lot. It would wind up being uh, some random summer episode we throw in. Most likely. But yeah, um, they put out a new Justice League action trailer. I saw Atrocitus. I saw Joker. <laughs> I saw fun. That's what I saw. I saw, I saw fun. I saw Zatanna and Blue Beetle and Firestorm <laughs> mm-hmm. and Space Cabby and so many things. It it made me laugh, though. Like At the end of their little introduction, everybody's jumping on screen right toward the camera, and mm-hmm. it seemed like... The, like the last person that comes in is Batman. It's like, oh, and of course there's Batman. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Okay, I was worried. <laughs> yeah, they actually they did put out the little Justice League action intro, and it's neat. You get to see a lot of heroes and villains just all kind of everywhere. Plastic Man. Oh, Plastic Man. Who has never unfunny to think. Never. No. Always a treat in Batman the Brave and the Bold. Oh, yeah. I remember that one episode of Justice League Unlimited that focused on Booster Gold when someone called him Green Lantern, and then someone mentioned Elongated Man and Plastic Man were working together to do a thing, and we didn't even see him because there were there were some kind of weird rights things going on, mm-hmm. like where they couldn't get Plastic Man, but they could mention him, and I was just like, ah, Plastic Man exists in this universe. Ah. <laughs> That's how bad things were, kids. I used to. Be- <laughs> get giddy over the mere mention of plastic of eel. Man. Yeah. Oh, the eel. Dark times. Speaking of dark times, Justice League Dark. <laughs> that wasn't planned, by the no, way. No, but I love it. Justice League Dark release date has been has been announced. February seventh, twenty seventeen, for the Blu-ray. January twenty fourth for the digital HD. All right. So that. So you've got like a month after Christmas to just go ahead and budget that money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Jay Olivia told uh, Empire that apparently they were considering a Swamp Thing solo animated movie years ago. So we were actually kicking around the idea of doing a Swamp Thing direct-to-video movie years ago, but that never saw fruition. When this came about, it was the perfect opportunity to use him. He and Constantine know each other, but they don't like each other. Then again, not many people like Constantine because he kind of rubs you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Batman in some ways. He's the supernatural version of Batman. Basically, Constantine and Batman give zero dams about anything. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, I mean, I like, I, I like the parallel. Yeah, it, it, you're not going to like this guy, but you will need him. And he's probably mm-hmm. going to save your ass at the end of whatever this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in Atlanta, uh, <laughs> comicbook.com was talking to Matt Ryan, 
And they, they asked him what he thought, where he thought Constantine was right now. And Matt Ryan said, he's probably in hell, smoking a, probably smoking a cigarette with the devil or some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on talking about him coming back uh, in live action, he said, never say never, right? But he did say, uh, I'd just like to say thank you, fans, for all the support you've given me from playing this character. It's such an iconic role, and to have you guys support me is just a fantastic thing. So thank you very, very much. That yeah, was nice. Well, you know, we do support him. We do. I, we don't. Er, we don't really ever really talk about Teen Titans Go, and I know a lot of fans probably want to keep it that way. A lot of people hate Teen Titans Go. I've never actually seen it. Nope, completely. Um, I've seen, but a total I think I might have minutes, to. Like while I was flipping through stuff, I think I might have to go back. I'm. Gonna, it's DC. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. But probably. um, they put out a new. There in the newest episode, there was an Easter. There were a few Easter eggs. They're pretty funny. There were just visual gags in the background. There was a giant penny that had, um, it said, in Zod we trust. There you go. And there's a picture of Michael Shannon Zod on the penny. Here's my favorite part. (laughs) He's wearing a neck brace. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well done. Um, There's also a bit where they've got a bunch of crates in the background. The crates have things written on them. Um, one of them says YJ season three, Young Justice season three. Mm-hmm. One of them says Dawn of Justice, and the one underneath it says Afternoon of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I might have to go check this show out. Really, I mean, I'm going to, but that's pretty funny, guys. Yeah, I know you want Teen Titans proper. The neck brace is the highlight for me. Yeah, that's why I said it was my favorite. Yeah. Um, so there's an idea going around and Kevin Smith seems on board with it. Uh, they asked him if he would be okay with, uh, Nick, um, Cage and Michael Rooker coming back to play Superman and Lex Luthor in an animated version of Superman Lives. This is just something someone asked him. It's not official. Kevin says, I'm not going to lie. That would be fun to see. That's something I worked on 20 years ago at this point. So that would be really amazing to kind of see, like, they turn it into a cartoon, get the people to do the voices. Nick Cage is still around and stuff. And I wanted Michael Rooker for my Lex Luthor, so that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm game. Still, that ain't that ain't up to me, kids. That's up to the good folks at Warner Brothers and stuff. But if they were to ever call on me, or call and say, hey, we want to do a cartoon version of that Superman script we wrote, believe me, I'd be like, melts. <laughs> That's what it says in parentheses. That'd be dope, man. You know, you... <laughs> you close all loops in life one way or another, and that would be a nice way to close that loop. I agree. I would totally, I would buy the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell them right now they've got my $25 if they want to put it out there. Absolutely. That's happening. If they put that out there, that's happening. Um. Okay, so it's been a minute, but uh, we have a new review from our buddy Christopher White for uh, Batman the Telltale series, episode three and four. And we are going to cut to that right now. I just got done with episode four of the Batman Telltale series called Guardian of Gotham. And that was after finishing episode three, New World Order. And guys, let me tell you, these did not disappoint in the slightest. The only negative aspect, which isn't a spoiler alert, everybody knows that Joker shows up in uh, episode four. And I got to tell you, overall, I was disappointed with his character and portrayal. Um, seemed very reminiscent of Grant Morrison's Joker from Arkham Asylum. And uh, while he was a lot of fun, I just didn't really see him as that threatening, you know, force and everything. But this is still very early in Batman's career. And I guess it wouldn't 
you know, he hasn't had the opportunity to really make himself known or let Batman knows what he's what he's about. Um, I got the very distinct impression too that Joker knows who Bruce Bruce Wayne is, but they kind of toy with it, which was a lot of fun. Um, episode three has Bruce Wayne losing pretty much everything that ever meant anything to him. Um, it's very well done. It's edge of your seat stuff. And uh, if I had any complaints out of either episode, it, the only thing I would say is um, on episode four with the Joker, his limp syncing wasn't done very well. And uh, sometimes it was almost non-existent. So it was a little immersion breaking at times. But other than that, a very interesting and intriguing story. Um, and I won't go into a whole lot of detail because it is a huge spoiler, but there is a very good moment that Batman has with a, uh, with a little boy that, you know, kind of touched me a little bit. Like I thought it was really cool. Um, overall guys, I would say they were both phenomenal. Um, episode, the final episode, number five, looks like it's going to be very climactic and what they're building up to is just going to be insane. Like I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. Um, thanks for letting me do this review again. I'm sorry it took so long to get it done. I promise I'll get five done almost as soon as it comes out. Dave and Jason, I love the show. Keep up the good work, guys, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Dude, Chris, thank you so much for, uh, for recording that. Always. We, we, uh, <laughs> we don't have those systems. Though, uh, Matt Carroll of MCU Cast has, uh, that and the Batman VR game. And has general, generously uh, invited me and Jason to come over and play them at some point. We'll have to work that into our schedule. We are going to be um, making some time happen. Yeah. What do you think about uh, about Chris's review, though, man? Uh, I, I'm kind of curious, based on his, uh, I don't know, complaints slash praises for, for Telltale's Joker. Yeah. I kind of want to see that. Yeah, I really do now. I want to see what he thought was off about it. And uh, whatever it is that you know ruins Bruce's world, that sounded fun. Because I have I have uh -huh. exactly zero spoilers in my head about this series. I have no idea what's happening. Um, right. But something that like ruins Batman's world—that's not a spoiler. That's a a beat, a popular mm -hmm. one at that. And I was uh, I was yeah. curious about he mentioned the the moment with the boy. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on with that either. But and you know, um, uh, Max sounded a little inappropriate for me, but <laughs> well, he did mention that it was very touching. But I think he meant yeah. it in in the acceptable way. Yeah, Bruce's moment with the boy, it touched me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're just bad people. Yeah, it sounds like it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, though. I, uh, at the very least, I want to watch a walkthrough. But it seems like it's, you know, it's so decision-based. Like, I always make the, always, when I'm playing a, a video game, like, I always want to make the decisions that Batman would never make. <laughs> you know, like, I would just... Like, whenever I played the Arkham games, like, people would be like, oh, we're dying, come help. And I'd be like, no. no. <laughs> I'm going to go fly over here and check out the harbor. And I'm going to go check out what that blinky light is in the distance. Like, I would be like... But there's a phone ringing. Don't even care. Like, <laughs> like the worst Batman ever, just distracted by shiny objects, floating around like, nope, I hear her crying, but I'm pretty sure that was a bird over there. And I wonder if I could grapple onto it. <laughs> yeah. So, I've done that in don't... a few games, though. Like, especially, uh, you know, one that I used to do it with the most was one of the Call of Duty games. When mm -hmm. I'd have people charging after me, and then at some point I realized, like, oh, the birds are up there. And I, I kept trying to shoot the birds. 
Yeah, absolutely. And at some point we made it a game where like we, we were wondering if the birds could be shot. So mm. we went into the, it was one of those multiplayer levels. So we went in where one person was in charge of defending the perimeter. So the other person could try to snipe a bird. Mm-hmm. We um, never came to any definitive conclusion about the birds. Remember in Arkham City, I just kept sitting there like bugging you, trying to get you to grapple onto a helicopter. You did. And you were like, no. You I think we finally did that. <laughs> we finally did that and it worked. And I was surprised. I was just. And then they shot us. Yeah. So. Yeah. They shot the crap out of us. <laughs> Like, I was just trying to buy some time, like, like okay, if I try the helicopter thing, he'll shut up about the damn helicopter thing, and I can continue <laughs> this weird mission. <laughs> Dave, you realize we have, like, weird. 200 more Riddler trophies to find. Data packs, I got. <laughs> I was like, but only three helicopters to grapple onto. Right. <laughs> Make the right decision, Jason. Right. Make the right decision. Don't go answer that phone and talk to Zaz again. <laughs> it it was fun to grapple the helicopter when it finally happened. I was right. <laughs> and I was so worried about in GTA five, I was so like concerned that you weren't like going up into the uh the left hand the upper left hand corner of the map to get that sunken treasure and fight the shark. I really wanted that to happen. I, know. <laughs> I don't want to play these games. I just want to be a backseat driver. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go do this. Like, once I finally beat the game and got all that money, I actually did make it up there to, to find that treasure. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you kill the shark and get the treasure? I had to shoot the crap out of the shark. Yeah, it was only like $12,000. Yeah. yeah. In, in booty. It was worth nothing compared to what? It was worth nothing. You had like $22 million. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I just paid a lot of money to kill a shark and find a box. Yeah, and my sister came to visit and Jason had like $22 million on this thing. And he was like, well, just don't exhaust all of my money. And we were like, yeah, but it's like $22 million. We're going to have fun. And all we did was like, we went and got one character a haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're so lame. Oh, no, you had exhausted a fair amount of money because you had gone through several different uh, designs for, for his character. I had lost like a million dollars by the time I was done. Came back but and was like, it what? It was $22 what million. Dollars. <laughs> like, that's... that's- that's like five percent of my my total earnings that you've and and I looked and all you'd really accomplished was taking one character and pretty much making him like the dad from the Boondock Saints. <laughs> Who? The boot? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, El Duce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite, but yeah. It was pretty close. <laughs> I, I well, whipped out that it, it, game a few months ago out of curiosity. He still looks like that. <laughs> Apparently, I never thought it was worth going back to change. <laughs> I mean, it, this is the character that ran around in like a wife beater and and uh, a pair of you know tidy whities. Yeah, this was arguably an improvement. I was tired of seeing this man's ass. Yeah, <laughs> but he was the only really fun character to play in the entire thing. <laughs> Yeah, he had the he had the funnest commentary. <laughs> all right, uh, that's all the that's all the news I have for this week, man. You want to call it? Call it. All right, guys. We are DC on Screen. Thank you for listening to DC on Screen. You can find every episode. Guess where? DC on Screen dot com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Go subscribe. It's free to subscribe, and then you just gets delivered to you. Like, whenever we upload, you just get our episodes, and it's awesome. You don't even have to try. You don't even have to do anything. It's like one time of going and hitting subscribe. It's like having a doorstep, but even closer. 
That's right. Even less effort. Whatever. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> I'll work it out and send you an email. It's less effort than that. Anyway, proud members of the Giant Size Team Up Network over here. GiantSizeTeamUp.com. They got a lot of great shows over there. Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast with their buddy Matt Carroll. Man, they got a uh, panel by panel, breaking the panel, booze and phasers. A lot of great shows. Until next time, we'll be talking about the mid-season finale of Gotham and all the other shows. The Lucifers, the Supergirls, the Flashes, what have you. Mm. Keep some DC on your screen. You know what drives you, what inspires you. You know why you're here today, thinking about your education and your career. But do you know how to get where you're going? Indiana Wesleyan University is a place where your dreams and goals are known, where you're pushed to excel, and you're supported beyond graduation day. Explore our tuition guarantee, our faith-integrated coursework, and more than 100 online degree programs. See how it's possible at iwuishow.com. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC.